Hello, and welcome to Let's Be Honest. I'm your host, Just Jonda, and this episode begins our LBD series. No, that's not for Little Black Dress. That is Just Jonda's legal breakdown. So this is the first of what I hope will be many of our legal breakdown episodes because I find that there's so much going on that when I incorporate the cases in the news or in the gossip, they tend to dominate and most of our listeners like to, uh, they like the deep dive into the law. And I really enjoy it, uh, especially because as you know, I'm a lawyer by trade. So these things are right up my alley. So I figured if it's fun for me and it's fun for you and we all get to learn a little something for it, from it, then let's just go down that rabbit hole together. So thank you for tuning in today for our inaugural episode of Just Jonda's LBD, also known as your legal breakdown. This is your very first one. So this is legal breakdown number one. Now, as I've alluded to before, there's so many cases and there's so many different things that come up, especially um, just areas in the law that may come up even when we're talking about something that's not all that important to us. You know, people are always talking about NDAs and uh, I know that came up the other night on a Real Housewives episode. People are uh, always, especially on television, doing cease and desist orders against each other. So there's all kinds of things that come up. And then of course there's spectacular cases in the news that will dominate the news cycle for weeks, months, maybe even years. And as we go on, we will explore some of those as well. I am looking forward to taking some time when we don't have as much current stuff going on to to uh, reach back and talk about some past legal hijinks that maybe now we're a little older, a little smarter, a little more mature. We can dissect a bit more than when they happened when we were wee babies. So right now, what's dominating the news cycle, I mean, I know that we've got the Tom Girardi and Erica Jane cases and some other stuff, but it, I would be absolutely remiss if I didn't focus on something that was right in front of our face nationally. And as you know, if you listen to me, certainly sparked a lot of outrage for me. And the first of those things is our uh, is the attack, the riot, the absolute craziness that went on on Capitol Hill on January 6th. So in this episode, we're going to dig a little bit into what the charges for the majority of the now over 100 people who have been charged or at the very least are under investigation for this have been charged with. Because a lot of them have really been charged with the same general set of charges. Now, as we get a little deeper into this, because I'll go over the more frivolous charges first. 
as we get a little bit deeper into this and start talking more about those who were charged with conspiracy, uh, because as the investigation has gone on, the FBI, the ATF, the Marshal Service, because there's you know a, just a multitude of agencies involved in this, have all pretty much said flat out to the American public that they do believe that there was a conspiracy uh, to make this happen on some level. Now, of course, we can wax poetic all day long and talk about how far up the food chain we think this conspiracy goes. Was it just among the, as I call them, the local mouth breathers, um, you know, two, they're, they're two, uh, wussy to be cross burners, but they still like to talk a good game? Or was this something that went as high as the halls of Congress? Were some of our lawmakers that were, for all intents and purposes, held hostage that day, was that at the hands of some of their own? some of the same individuals that sit next to them and or work in the offices of some of their colleagues, that remains to be seen. And there is no question that that is a part of the investigation, especially when you consider, and we're just regular people, so we know they're considering the fact that it was so easy for this to happen. And, and we're not just talking about them overpowering a small group of policemen at, at the bottom of the stairs and jumping over the gate, but, or even being let in the door. Okay, that, that was a bit much too. But we also have individuals who were involved or potentially involved taking tours that week or the day before and and tours that were a little bit more extensive than they should have been um we also have individuals as we'll get into in a bit that seem to have some plans and these plans were very specific about where they were going to plant things to have maximum impact so it leaves a lot of questions some that will i've i've would imagine will probably never be answered, but nevertheless concerning, and, and certainly this is an investigation that I don't think is going to end anytime soon with just the arrest of the people that we know now. Because again, most of these people are all pretty much being charged with roughly the same stuff related to their rabble rousing, uh, depending on whether or not they were actually inside the building, uh, their trespass charges may be trumped up, uh, maybe I said Trump, <laughs> maybe bumped up just a little. Um, if they were some of the ones who perhaps uh, came through the windows, and there's reason to believe that they were individuals that actually broke the windows and uh, participated in any type of violent activity associated with that. They, uh, of course, those charges may be more serious just in terms of, just because of the mere fact that 
Um, there may be fines and different things associated with it. And then, of course, we also have to remember that there are individuals who died that day, not all in exactly the same way, but certainly in um, connected with the activity. And of course, the argument to be made there is going to be but for the individuals doing what they did, those people wouldn't be dead. And if there are individuals that law enforcement can make an example out of as holding responsible for being the primary organizers and citers besides President Trump um, or now uh, past President Trump, uh, if there are individuals who can be held responsible in any way for sort of being the masterminds of all of this, then there will be some big questions that will need to be answered because the public will be asking them, the families will be asking them, and perhaps some even other lawmakers about how you deal with who, uh, who and in what manner they will be held responsible for the death of the individuals that day, particularly the woman who was shot and subsequently died inside of the Capitol building. And it does not matter that she was shot by law enforcement. And we'll, of course, get into that a little bit later when we talk about the felony murder rule. After we talk about this, I'm also going to touch a bit on the pardons. Now, it depends on how long this takes. I don't want to keep you all longer than an hour. So if this goes on a little long, I will do a separate uh, part two as it relates to the pardons, because there's quite a bit of analysis and some interesting, interesting trends and cases that came up in my review of all of the individuals who received a pardon or had their sentence commuted. So first things first, let's go back as much as we may hate to do it to Wednesday, January 6, 2021. Now, as we discussed before on this podcast, we all know what happened. That was the day that, and it was exactly two weeks to the day of last week's inauguration, That was the day when our lawmakers came together to participate in yet another arcane or archaic offshoot of the fact that we still have the Electoral College. So just in case you haven't picked up on how I feel about that, well, hopefully you have. And that final piece of their duties as it relates to the Electoral College was to certify the results state by state. Now, as we know, the electors met in December, I believe it was December 14th, to officially cast their ballots. And yet there is still another layer where Congress has to get together and do it. Now, as I previously mentioned, these are things that most of us don't think about beyond civics class in middle school or high school. 
and for the most part have never really been much of a discussion. I, I think when the Bush Gore situation happened, yes, we did have some conversation or there for those who paid attention, there was some conversation about the December meeting of the Electoral College, but that was, it wasn't so much like with this drama we've dealt with, um, with this election, it was more so because with the litigation that was going on, and again, not like this election with the 60 plus cases being thrown out of court, but with actual litigation that was going on in that case because of the close results in Florida, that there was concern that a decision was not going to come down from either the the appellate court or this well the supreme court or the last appellate court to hear the case if the supreme court denied hearing it and um it, it was basically a timing issue like are we going to get a decision on this before the established date for the electoral college to meet and if not what would the electoral college do as it relates to the votes that needed to be cast for Florida, because Florida was the case, Florida was the state that was in controversy and literally was the coin that the entire election turned on because it was so close. That was not uh, that was not the case here, but unfortunately, we as a, the public have been painstakingly dragged through a process that most of us don't pay attention to, because the previous occupant of the White House and his minions made such a stink about allegations as it relates to the election and saying the election was stolen. And essentially in the weeks and months leading up to the election and I mean, up leading up to January 6th, and in fact, right up until days before were spouting things about how they were going to stop the steal and they planned a, a rally for the exact day that this vote was going to take place. Of course, we know none of this is an accident, especially in light of how that all unfolded. So that brings us up to January 6th. So there's the big rally down the street. We know President Trump speaks to them and, okay, we're going to do it, allegedly, what have you. He tells them he's going to meet them there. Of course, as we are all pretty much uh, coming to the realization and, and law enforcement as well, there was already an underlying plan to do that anyway, but you also have that additional incitement of the larger crowd who made, who obviously would not have been involved in the internal conspiracy who were also incited to essentially turn uh, mob-like and, you know, race down the street to the Capitol and what we saw happen, happen. So since that day, it has been just wild. I mean, people getting stopped on planes, being put on the no-fly list, family members turning in their other family members because they were just mortified about what was going on. Hell, we even you even had a situation where there were some real housewives of Salt Lake City who had to disavow one of their 
former now former friends who had appeared on the show and that was of course causing a, a bit of minor controversy for them on social media because this woman proudly displayed her pictures and stuff of being there there was an instance that i read about with one young uh, young lady teenager turning in her own mother she said her mother lied and said that she was going i don't know on business or for church or something that week and i think this that's the best story to me actually um and she said she wouldn't let me participate in a black lives matter uh event this summer but she lies to the family and says that she's going to this event and she finds out of course that her mother went to this event i don't know if she saw her on television or what and she put her mother on blast on social media i got a bit of a chuckle out of that because of course the first thing i thought was is kellyanne conway's daughter putting her on blast again because we know they have it, it seems like every other month we're hearing about what new electronic device that uh, the parents have had to take from that little girl because she stays putting her mother on blast. So at any rate, there is a joint task force as well. <laughs> we knew there would be between the ATF, which is the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms and Explosives. Um, the FBI, of course, the U.S. Marshal Service, the U.S. Capitol Police and I, I would suspect, yeah, the D.C., uh, yes, the uh, Metropolitan Police of Washington, D.C. as well to come together and obviously to investigate this, to arrest individuals. They knew that the public just wasn't going to stand for it. And as we see, which, of course, going to be a whole other episode. Gosh, these episodes are just making themselves. I'm excited. We also have on an even larger scale uh, impeachment proceedings uh, going forward. Actually, as of today, it has been decided that those proceedings would go forward. Uh, the Senate voted 55 to 45 against a motion brought by uh, Senator Rand to shut down the impeachment proceedings. So um, the Senate was sworn in as the jury and an impeachment trial of Donald J. Trump is scheduled to begin on February 8th, despite the fact that he is not president anymore. So needless to, to say, we're going to have quite a bit of discussion about that. But the bottom line is everybody is going all out to basically say anybody connected with this, they're going down. So initially, within that first weekend or so, you had a smattering of arrests. And some of the arrests were of people that we saw pictures of, right? We got the guy with the horns and and a few others. Um, with Pretty much within that first seven days, you also got the idiot who carried the podium, the person who um, went into Nancy Pelosi's office and not only took a picture of themselves with their feet on her desk, but also stole a piece of her mail or, or probably several, which they showed proudly waving at everybody and, um, you know, damaged the office. And there were several offices damaged. So let's go through some of the charges because these initial charges sort of gives us an idea, a roadmap, if you will, of the types of charges that will come up. And I'll stop on some of the more serious charges. So one of the first charges you had was 
um, an individual named Cleveland Meredith who was charged with making interstate threats to Speaker Nancy Pelosi. So that person was basically charged. And a lot of these charges uh, are misdemeanors. I'll point out to you when they're felonies. Uh, a lot of these charges... Um, uh, with that one in particular, you know, saying things on Twitter about what they're going to do to her and, um, you know, hoping, you know, really threats beyond, oh, this lawmaker sucks. I hope something bad happens to them. Sadly, you see that kind of stuff all the time. But, you know, you can't take the step further and be like, and, and if when I get there, this or that is going to happen. So that person is, is charged with making interstate threats to Speaker Nancy Pelosi. In fact, some of the early ones, she it, she was just the brunt of a lot of it. Richard Barnett, who was also charged that day, that's the idiot who sat at her desk. He was charged with knowingly entering and remaining in any restricted buildings or grounds without unlawful entry, misdemeanor charge. And again, when I say misdemeanor charge, guys, most of these uh, misdemeanor charges, uh, whether they're on the felony level or state level, usually the fine is $2,500 or less. Sometimes it, it may be 12, again, depending on whether it's the federal, it, federal or state, these are federal. And they may carry anything depending on the charge of zero to six months or zero to 12 months in jail. None of that time is mandatory minimums, at least as it relates to the misdemeanors. And if the charge, as I said, if the charges are more serious, I will, um, I'll point that out as we go along. Now, in the case of some of these, I suspect that even though there is no mandatory minimum, they're misdemeanors, and some of these people will fare better than others, especially if they have an otherwise clean record, I suspect that there will be some time given, even if it's nominal, to some of these individuals, especially those who, like a Mr. Barnett, whose behavior was seen as particularly egregious and also who um, are kind of looked at as some of the faces of this event, if for no other reason to make an example. and and. Even from the perspective of being a defense attorney, because that's this, uh, that's what I've practiced uh, for almost 20 years, among other things. But even from the perspective of defense attorney, I get that. I'm used to that. I, I can't even say, oh, well, you shouldn't make an example of people. It happens. And as I've said to clients on more than one occasion, there are certain situations that you put yourself in that... It, nobody's going to be able to get you out of. There are certain categories where you just don't want to be looked at as the one who did that because however de minimis it may be in terms of just on paper, like the letter of the law owes a misdemeanor, it's the circumstances around it. And in this case, it's the circumstances around it. It's kind of like um, in the past, I represented someone who was charged with embezzling some funds from their, their work. Now, the under normal circumstances, especially since that person had an otherwise clean record, college educated family, a woman, all of those things, under normal circumstances, probably would have 
walked away from that, even gotten a first offender disposition, depending on what we worked out with community service, et cetera, paying back the money and all that. But you know why the judge wanted to throw the book at her anyway? Because the it was a place where they did community service type activities. It was a place where they donated money like the the funds that would come to them were based on donations so that they could do things like toys for tots programs and food for seniors or what's those things meals on wheels those types of programs so you're soliciting funds to the public to do things for our most vulnerable and you're taking money to get a, I don't know, a new purse or a pair of shoes. Well, yeah, that's just not going to be anything that you want to be on the receiving end for sentencing for. What does a judge look like saying, well, you paid the money, that's okay. Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't some judges that are going to let you walk, but I would have again, not been doing my job if I did not prepare her for the fact that when we walked in court, I might be walking out without her. Now, she only got a couple of days, but again, sometimes there's a point to be made. And these, and, and these sentences, if, if you are convicted, they are legitimate sentences on the books, like zero to six months or, you know, zero to 12 months. So it's not like the judge doesn't have discretion. And I think in some of these instances, the court is absolutely going to exercise that discretion. So Mr. Barnett, Mr. Feet Up on the Desk in Nancy Pelosi's office, is charged with knowingly entering or remaining in any restricted building or grounds without lawful entry, which I already said, violent entry and disorderly conduct on capital grounds, which again is actually still a misdemeanor, theft of public property, money, or records. This is where he gets into trouble. That is where you're starting to get into felony territory. And this is the person that entered, again, charged with entering the restricted area of Nancy Pelosi. So as it relates to that theft, part of it is going to be what it is that he's charged with stealing. But given that it was mail and things on her desk, that is where you're going to get into more serious, uh, more serious territory with him. Another person who is being charged with something a bit more serious. And again, when you see people with the firearms and explosives, this just gives you an idea of the types of, uh, of what they're facing. Lonnie Kaufman of Alabama. Now we heard about this person because they were charged. This person was charged as it relates to having an unregistered firearm, which is considered a destructive device and carrying a pistol without a license. But that wasn't the biggest problem. The biggest problem is, I don't know, just remember that they mentioned finding some potentially explosive devices, uh, in this case, uh, Molotov cocktails and some other firearms, which upon testing, they did determine were potentially operable. And so he was charged as, as it relates to the two firearms and 
more than likely they will add those explosive device charges to him as well. They were found in a vehicle that was allegedly his. So there, that might be why um, they haven't brought the rest of the charges, but I'm sure they're coming. Now, in his case, uh, now this was as of about a week ago when I pulled this, he was scheduled for a detention hearing on January 12th. I don't believe that he got out. I, I had already suspected that he wouldn't. And given the nature of his charges, he's facing up to 10 years and a $10,000 fine. And again, folks, that does not include the um, the possibility that he's going to get charged for those Molotov cocktails as well. Another one that is very serious, because some of these were charged all around the same time, is a Mark Leffingwell, who was charged again with entering the building. This one, assault on a federal law enforcement officer. So he got the same charges about going in the building, but Mr. Leffingwell is charged with uh, getting into a scuffle when he, uh, because he got managed to get into the Senate side of the Capitol. And when he was stopped by law enforcement, he struck the officer in the helmet in the chest. So uh, Mark Leffingwell decided that he, I don't know, he was a little frisky that day. So he was also being held in detention as well. And he, uh, under the, that particular title, he's that's a pretty serious charge as well, obviously, because it involves law enforcement. Even here in Virginia, where I practice, uh, you actually there you actually get mandatory time for assault on a law enforcement officer. But in uh, in this situation, he is facing because he did come into contact with him, a term of imprisonment of up to 10 years and a fine. Now it says if the assault consists if the assault consists of simple assault, then a term of imprisonment for not more than one year. However, if there was a physical assault or an intent to commit another felony, and he falls into both of those categories because of the fact that he was breaking into the Capitol, not to mention the fact that the assault was physical because he allegedly struck this officer in the helmet and the chest. So we already know um, where this is going. And, and you're just in, in a bad way when you are dumb enough to put yourself in to get into any type of altercation with an officer. Uh, there's another individual, Christopher Alberts. This is another one who is charged with having a firearm. They said having it or having it readily accessible. So he may fall under that category of individuals. There were some who allegedly put the firearms where they can get them. And this, again, brings up this whole notion of planning. What kind of planning actually went into this event and who did it. And in this case, he specifically had uh, a Taurus G, uh, what is it? G squared C nine millimeter handgun and nine millimeter cal caliber ammunition. And um, again, he's charged with a felony as it related to firearms. The rest of those initial folks were all pretty much charged with the same thing, engaging in disorderly conduct, um, 
of course, knowingly entering or remaining in any restricted building or, or ground. So a fancy way of when you're dealing with the Capitol building of saying they were trespassing at the Capitol. And, um, and like, us, and then of course the violent entry again. So most, most of these people received at least two charges, both misdemeanors, one related to the fact that they actually went on to the grounds and wouldn't leave. And the other, the disorderly conduct involved in their behavior when they got there and staying there. So let's go to the Antifa guy. Believe it or not, despite all of the attention that his case has gotten, and this is Jacob Anthony Chansley. This is the, uh, he's a native of Arizona. This is the guy who had the horns and the makeup and all of that. Um, I also saw a picture of him a while ago. I guess he went to some event in, uh, where he, took pictures with Giuliani. Um, but yeah, he's the one with the bearskin head headdress and all of that. Although he got a lot of attention, his charges really weren't uh, much more serious than anyone else unless he decides that he wants to jump up and, and get in the mix with everything and start claiming that he was more important to this than he was. But if he's smart and wants to live another Antifa day and hopefully play golf with his idol in Mar-a-Lago, then he will stop making a nuisance of himself and keep his trap shut because actually the only thing that he is charged with is knowingly entering or remaining in a restricted area without lawful authority, um, and disorderly conduct. So he's not charged with anything as it relates to any of the more serious firearm charges or um, the, the property damage with breaking into windows and all of that. And he, what he said, sadly, was now granted, he did carry a spear, but at least as of them initially charging him, he was not charged with carrying the spear. I would not be surprised if he is, because that is a weapon. The spear did have a blade on it because the flag was tied right below the blade. So that, I mean, you know, that is a weapon that certainly under any other circumstance, if someone was in their house and waving it and, and somebody charging, you know, being charged with something, would absolutely be charged for that. So we'll see. But right, at least at the point where he was arraigned, uh, what was this, about a week and a half, two weeks ago, he was not charged with anything terribly serious. So really the big story with him is the fact that he wanted some kind of, what was it, some kind of special organic diet in jail and the judge actually ordered that he be fed according to that diet. Personally, if I were the judge, I would have just, um, I, I know that they pretty much tried to hold everybody because they probably figured given that they were charged with misdemeanors, unless it was one of the more serious offenses, they would get out and they probably wouldn't end up doing any time in the long run. So they tried to hold everybody um, in the beginning, before they had their detention hearings and bonded out. 
And I suspect that is the case with him. But given the headache of this guy getting special treatment and uh, potentially incurring um, expenses incurred to the government, not to mention the ire of other inmates and attorneys, because I've had clients with legitimate religious issues like Muslims as it, um, as it relates to their diet and it was not acknowledged. Uh, I think that the court would have quite frankly been better off just ordering him to home confinement and then your mother can feed you whatever the hell you you want, which is probably potato chips and chicken. Next, we have the idiot who carried the who carried the lectern. Now everybody knew who this guy was literally by the end of the day. This guy, Adam Johnson of Florida. In fact, everybody even knew that his wife is is a doctor kooky name i think lucy johnson or something and they go to some kooky church in the whole nine yards so of course he is being charged like everybody else the um the unlawful of going in and uh staying there unlawfully and uh violent entry disorderly conduct and the additional charge of theft of government property that charge will be very interesting because when you get into theft charges whether it's on the federal level or state level what typically drives the uh, you know if, unless it's a crime of violence that's a whole other thing if it's a robbery or burglary then of course it's going to be a felony but if it's just you know a basic you know grab it and, and go or even um you know taking money for your from your workplace or something what determines whether or not that is a misdemeanor or a felony is really about the value of the property so what will be interesting and a little fun in that case is to see what the government values that lectern at <laughs> as it relates to whether or not he'll be charged with a felony. Um, I know that everywhere has its different thresholds and I totally forgot, sorry guys, to check what the federal threshold is. I know here in Virginia, ours went up um, to a thousand. So we'll see, but that will be interesting because of course he thinks he's hot shit. So let's, so let's see um, whether or not uh, anything anything happens with him in terms of being a, a misdemeanor a, a misdemeanor or a felony i'm sure he's gonna do a, a, a few days in jail maybe even a month because he was just too bold and too obnoxious and whatever next you have uh the west virginia newly elected person to the house of delegates Derek evans who's 35 now i you know there's people calling for his resignation but you know what it's west virginia why would it surprise us? I hate to say it. Sorry, my West Virginia folks. I mean, I, I know a couple of good people from there, but still, why would we be surprised that someone from West Virginia would be at that protest? He was. I wouldn't be surprised if he was there with everybody on his street. It may have been his entire constituency who elected him. Do you really think the people in West Virginia who it, that are a part of his area his um his governing region who elected him to their house of delegates do you think that they didn't already know what the hell he thought 
There's some places that you have to hide it. I don't think any of us are under any illusions that West Virginia is one of those places where you have to hide a damn thing. So as far as I I'm, I don't believe that he's resigned, I don't even think he's going to have to. I think it's just one of those things that sounded good to say at the time. And again, he's just, he's charged with, he was taken into custody, of course, but he's charged with the same two basic offenses, the two misdemeanors. And of course, this was all within that first couple of weeks. And as I said, the numbers now have gone over what I think it's upwards of like 140 people who have been either arrested or, um, who have uh, either been arrested or under active investigation or warrants out for their arrest. Now we get to some, a couple of arrests that are a little bit more interesting because now we're getting into that piece as it relates to the conspiracy. So this is where things get uh, get a lot more interesting, but also a lot more dicey. Now we have Jacob Chansley. Jacob Chansley turned himself into the FBI last Saturday, not Saturday after the inauguration, but Saturday before the inauguration. Um, so that was roughly maybe about 10 days after the events on the Capitol occurred. What was that? Mm, like the 15th. 15th or 16th. And he is uh, one of those individuals who, um, oh no, I'm sorry. That is, I'm thinking about the wrong person. That is the person who, um, uh, I'm sorry. That is the person who wore the ride gear. So I'm talking about the wrong person, but let me go down a little bit more. I, I apologize. I was reading uh, about the wrong person. Okay. Now I'm to the right person. Okay, so we have a couple of additional cases that have arisen since then. There are individuals based, one based out of Virginia and one from Ohio. Both of those individuals were arrested last week and I have them, yes, because I talked about it briefly last week. Sorry about this, guys. I know you are hearing me. Um, you're hearing me flip pages. But those were the individuals who were charged with what is considered the first significant charges as it relates to the conspiracy and charges of, of potential sedition. Um, an insurrection. Now, the first is Thomas Edward Caldwell, who is from Virginia, and he is allegedly a member of the Peacekeepers. So they are, or no, they are the Oak Keepers. I don't know. It's ridiculous, but they are. <laughs> okay. So at any rate, because we don't want to give these people any type of um, in any type of publicity. At any rate, Mr. Thomas Edward 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 Caldwell from Virginia. Oh my God! And I'm from I'm, well, I'm not from here. I just moved here. 
And <laughs> but my children were born and raised here. So he has charged uh, serious charges, two counts of conspiracy and a count of obstruction of a federal proceeding, destruction of federal pro property, and there could be more charges. And he is alleged to have conspired with multiple individuals. They have even found things on his phone where he is going back and forth with another person. And this is what I alluded to earlier, being very, very specific and strategic about where, about the plans and where they should be planting certain devices so that they get the maximum impact. I don't, at least I hope, I'm going to hope that the goal was not to, you know, take out the Congress like, you know, designated survivor style. It sounds more so like they were just trying to disrupt. And so in terms of having maximum impact, just disabling the, dis essentially disabling the proceedings, making it so that uh, Congress was not able to continue, um, which at least for a short period of time, they did. It's just that their infiltration did not get to the point where it made it impossible for the building to be used again once some control was once control um, law enforcement officers got control of the situation. The other individual is the alleged founder of the of an Ohio militia group, Jessica Watkins, and another person in the Ohio group, Donovan Crowell, as well. Those individuals are also uh, extremist groups. Um, also alleged peacekeepers, and they um, were also charged with conspiracy. They uh, they were raided, and explosives were found, or explosives materials to make explosives, and uh, plans as well as instructions to put together these explosives. And once again. Uh, most of it, what led the authorities to them was communications with other individuals. So I'm going to get a little into some of the overall charges that we may see for some of the individuals, particularly if they do feel like they can tie this conspiracy together. And then, of course, we also have the question of uh, President Trump, because, of course, there are articles of impeachment against him as uh, related to insurrection. Um, but we also hear people talking about insurrection, rebellion, sedition. So I wanted to talk about what what each of those things are, because while he, while insurrection and incitement to insurrection may be a part of his articles of impeachment, he's, um, he may not actually be charged with that, but there are 
other individuals who may be charged with that, particularly when we talk about the fact that some people have been charged with conspiracy. And in this case, we're talking about um, seditious conspiracy, particularly as it relates to the last uh, three individuals I spoke about. So under 18 U.S. Code Section 2484, it defines seditious conspiracy as the following, and I'm going to paraphrase a bit here. If two or more persons in any state or territory or basically any area that is subject to the jurisdiction of the United States conspire to overthrow, put down, destroy by force the government of, of the United States or to levy war against it. So, you know, try to start a war against our country or to oppose by force the authority thereof or by force to prevent, hinder or delay the execution of any law of the United States or by force to seize, take, or possess any property of the United States contrary to the authority thereof, they shall each be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than 20 years or both. So layman's terms in relation to what these individuals allegedly did. If any, if it is proven that any of these individuals actually conspired, that is two or more persons had a conspiracy and let's define a conspiracy. A conspiracy isn't just that you thought about it. A conspiracy is that you thought about it, you came together on it. So there needs to be a meeting. So the, the first element of a conspiracy, there needs to be a meeting of the minds. Then the next level, the next element of the conspiracy there must be action in furtherance of that conspiracy so you could talk about it all day long but there needs to be action in furtherance of that conspiracy did they just talk about it or were they buying explosives getting folks together coming to dc and of course de facto evidence of them putting the of of taking that initial that that next step is that they did actually participate in this mess now so that's those first two elements get you to to a discussion about conspiracy now the next piece is conspiracy to do what because we can have conspiracy to do lots of things in this case the it's conspiracy for sedition so now we have to get into the definition of of sedition so we have the first two parts the meeting of the minds and an act moving that meeting of the minds forward that next step i want to learn how to swim and I'm going to actually sign up for swimming lessons so that I can learn how to swim. Okay, now sedition is that overthrowing or that conspiracy, because it's conspiracy uh, sedition, is to conspire to overthrow because you don't have to actually do it. You're just conspiring to do it to either overthrow the government, levy war against the government, we're not saying that they did that. We're not even saying, I don't even, nobody's saying they overthrew it, so we can toss those out. To oppose it, eh. or here we go, or by force to prevent, hinder, or delay the execution of any law of the United States. So in this case, I think that the prosecution can look at two areas, that there was a, a lawful proceeding going on there 
that is that the that Congress was um, required by law to do. It is in our Constitution that they have to have that they have to do what they need to do, and that these individuals attempted to impede it, hinder it, delay it. And the second part, the another piece that they can also, if they feel like that part's a little shaky, they've got an even more solid piece if if they uh, pursue this next part. Because these are all or, not and. So all of the conditions don't have to exist. Prosecution could just choose one of them. So the last one is the one where they can hang their hat on it and stick it by force to seize, take, or possess any property of the United States contrary to the authority thereof. And that's the taking of the Capitol. That is coming in, taking over, uh, taking over the Capitol, that is uh, doing it um, by force, coming in through the windows, um, having tussles with law enforcement officers, pushing back the gates, um, all of that. So the I think the prosecution as it relates to the seditious uh, conspiracy, if they can prove that there was that initial element that's required for conspiracy, the part, the pieces that are required for the seditious act, which is, um, them attempting to delay um, the execution of the law, which is to delay that, um, which is to delay the electoral, uh, the electoral college vote process, as well as the actual taking of the government property, which is the capital. Those are both pretty solid. And if I were prosecuting the case, I would argue both just to give the uh, judge or potential jury, uh, jury, the trier effect in whatever form that comes, just to give them either one to sink their teeth into, and and you know they may sink their teeth into both. Now, insurrection. You uh, eighteen U.S. Code section twenty three eighty three insurrection. Now this is a little bit more related to a, the person. And so that's part of why this was used as it relates to President Trump. Whoever incites, sets on foot, assists, or engages in any rebellion or insurrection against the authority of the United States or the laws thereof, or gives aid or comfort thereto, shall be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than 10 years or both, and shall be incapable of holding any office under the United States. So for insurrection, you really don't have to do a whole lot in terms of, and and don't get me wrong, you it it needs to be definitive that you incited or in, assisted in some way. But what I'm saying is, you don't actually have to take physical part. Uh, in the case of President Trump, he didn't actually have to show up. Now, you can. And that is one of the elements. You can either incite it, like you can incite, uh, you can incite a riot, quite frankly, because you could yell fire in a crowded movie theater and everybody runs and turns into a riot and you know people get hurt or whatever. So you can incite it. 
And of course, we know that that could be words, uh, verbal, written. It could be something you do, whatever. Strike a match. Because that's essentially what you're doing when you're inciting something. You're, you're, just, it's, you're just striking the, the metaphorical match. Um, sets foot on so you can actually engage. You can be like Nat Turner and actually, you know, have them follow you down there. Um, assist and that assistance, of course, as we know, can come in any way. It could be financial. You could show up on the front end, on the back end. You could participate in the planning. It could be anything, especially if they find out that there were individuals even in the Capitol building who participated in that, um, or engages, uh, and, and that's sort of a catch-all just in, in any way involved in any rebellion or insurrection against the authority of the United States and the laws thereof. So again, this idea that you are going against the government authority, you're breaking into the U.S. Capitol, you are not heeding the words of federal law enforcement officers trying to remove you from there. And of course, there are proceedings that are going on that your actions and, you know, clearly words, are trying to delay. You want this proceeding stopped. You don't want this election certified. So that is your insurrection. Now, right now, no one is charged with murder. I suspect that that is something that's going to come up. Uh, since we're coming down to the end of the, of the hour, I will talk about that again in the event that it comes up, because if it does, it will be a very interesting case. But if you want a little homework, uh, take a look at felony murder. And you want to look at this because this would be, um, as it relates to the federal building, under 18 U.S. Code Section 1111. And so, uh, of course, they have it with malice of, of forethought, but that's actually not what we're talking about here. We're talking about um, a crime that is committed during, or killing, rather, that is committed during the perpetration of some other crime. Um, the enumerated crimes here are attempted to perpetrate any arson, escape, murder, kidnapping, treason, espionage, sabotage, aggravated sexual abuse or sexual assault, child abuse, burglary, or robbery, or perpetrated, you know, there's there's some other things that are there. But I do believe that if they were to try that, they probably would say that um, there was an attempt uh, that this could have happened as it relates to, uh, as it relates to um, some type of treasonous or sabotage uh, type behavior, because of course, what they were attempting to do with stopping those proceedings was the very definition of sabotage. And you do not have to be charged or convicted of the underlying crime in order to be charged with felony murder. So if the underlying crime is uh, that you are attempting to rob someone, they don't have to convict you of the robbery in order to convict you of the felony murder. They All they need to do is lay the groundwork that that is what you were attempting to do or what you actually did do, one or the other. But so if in a bank robbery scenario, 
you don't have to be convicted of robbing the bank. Now they probably will charge you with it, but if they don't, they don't it they don't have to. I mean, this is very much like the getaway driver being charged if one of the people inside the bank um if one of the people inside the bank shot and killed the bank teller. Now, yeah, he was involved in a conspiracy and all of that, but at the end of the day, uh, they don't necessarily, they could, but they don't have to charge that driver with robbery to still convict him of felony murder with the underlying crime needed to make that felony murder, uh, the robbery. They just, they only need to prove the elements of it. So, uh, again, went a little further than, with that than I planned, but now you know that I just love what I do. So we're going to have lots of fun doing it. So I am going to end this here. As I suspected, we had just enough time to get through the unfolding cases of the January 6th Capitol Hill riots. As always, Thank you for coming and listening and please share it with your friends. I'm very excited about this new addition to the Let's Be Honest with Just Jonda platform. You can listen to me on all um, on any uh, platform that you listen to your podcast. And if you have Apple uh, iTunes, please go on there. Leave us five stars and a review. Don't forget to uh, like and comment on social media. My Twitter, let's be honest uh, with, uh, let's, I'm sorry, uh, let's be honest, JJ or L-E-T-S-B-E-H-O-N-E-S-T-J-J for just Jonda. You will see it in the description box and you can follow for more fun and lighter stuff on the Fashion and Drama Diaries. You can join us over on Facebook. And at any time, feel free, especially if you have any legal questions, because I'd be happy to uh, look at those. Um, you can DM me either on Twitter or Instagram, again, at Let's Be Honest, JJ. And um, other than that, as you know, if you're thinking about it and want to talk about it, I'm probably thinking about it and want to talk about it with you, especially if it involves the law or cases in the news. So keep coming back to, to listen to my show and particularly for our next episode of Just Jonda's LBD. Thank you very much and you all have a great night. Oh gosh, I think I forgot something. Yes, I did. So don't forget part two of the, uh, of the Let's Be Honest LBD we're going, I'm sorry, of Just Jaundice LBD, we are definitely going to go into the pardons and uh, and the clemencies. So if you have any questions about that, be sure to DM me so that I can uh, speak to your specific questions and concerns about some of those cases, because I'd love to be uh, more specific with you if you have questions about that. Now, we are going to go. Good night.